Welcome to another Macquarie Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. Yes. Persecution. That's great. It's going to be a really warm message for you. Comforting, actually. So relax in your chair, church. Sit back, recline, and enjoy the lightheartedness of tonight's message. Perry McIntyre, are you ready to be so comforted during this message tonight? Okay, great. Good to hear, my friend. It's going to be light. Persecution, I'm not sure if you're aware, seems to be a really common theme in the Bible. (laughs) A very common theme. It's scary. It scares the living daylights out of me, knowing that persecution is actually a part of the discipleship journey. It scares me knowing that. And I'm sure it causes you a little bit of discomfort thinking about being persecuted for your faith. Now, anybody who thinks that following Jesus Christ, being a follower of Christ is easy, sadly mistaken, aren't they? Being Christian, being a follower of Christ is not for wimps. It's not for weaklings. It's not for the faint-hearted. You must be willing to face rejection. You must be willing to face peer pressure. You must be willing to face disapproval. You must be willing to face harassment and opposition. So how are you feeling right now as I rattle off that list? How are you feeling? (laughs) Feeling okay? Let's jump in. John 15, verse 18 to 26. This is the passage we're going to focus on tonight in the Bible. You can have a look up on the screen. I'm going to read pretty quickly because I really want to get through this and then on to some of my points. Here we go. Just remember... When the unbelieving world hates you, this is Jesus speaking, they first hated me. Well, that's reassuring, Jesus. If you were to give your allegiance to the world, they would love and welcome you as one of their own. But because you won't align yourself with the values of this world, they will hate you. Hmm. Interesting. You're really winning us over here, Jesus. I have chosen you and taken you out of this world to be mine. So remember what I taught you, that a servant isn't superior to his master, and since they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Wow, signing up for persecution, aren't we? And if they obey my teachings, they will also obey yours. They will treat you this way because you are mine, and they don't know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken these things to the unbelieving world, they would not feel the guilt of their sin, but now their sin is left uncovered. If anyone hates me, they first hate my my father also. If I had not performed miracles in their presence like no one else has done, they would not feel the guilt of their sins. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. And all this has happened to fulfill what is written in their scriptures. They hated me for no reason. And I will send you the divine encourager. In the very presence of my Father. He will come to you, the Spirit of truth emanating from the Father, and He will speak to you about me. Jesus, right now I pray. I don't like persecution. I don't like opposition. But you went through it. You went through hate. And I know that as a disciple, I'm going to go through it. That our church, that these people are going to face persecution. Give us, like that song said tonight, the ability to stand, the courage to stand. Amen. If I asked you to name the most persecuted group of people in this world, 
who would you name? You'd probably get it wrong because it's Christians. It is the most ignored, most unnoticed, least reported, most overlooked news item on the planet without a doubt. The International Society for Human Rights, yes, it is a secular organization that you've probably heard of. It's reported, and they quote, 80% of all religious freedom violations in the world today are directed against Christians. Now, we're all aware throughout history, the last 2,000 years, Christianity, the Christian church, has been persecuted. But it's really good to also be aware that the church has caused persecution, that we have actually persecuted people. And so it really comes also down to when Jesus talks about the log and the speck. Yeah, we are being persecuted, but are we also causing persecution? Hmm. What is shocking and what most people don't know is half of the number, which is 70 million Christians, they estimate, have died since Jesus um, rose from the dead. So they say 70 million Christians have died for their faith between then and now. And they're saying half that, which is, do the math in your head, 35 million, (laughs) you with me? 35 million have died in the last 100 years. 35 million Christians for their faith. So just let that sink in for a minute. As mentioned, it's a light message, isn't it, that I'm sharing? sharing with you it's almost like going for you know when you have a buffet and I don't know about you when I go to a buffet I like starting with the light stuff it's a buffet breakfast you know the fruit the yogurt the stuff that kind of lines the tummy and then I go for the heavy stuff the bacon the eggs the sausages whatever that looks like who here goes straight for the heavy stuff hand up look at you guys jumping in the deep end with the buffet Well, this message tonight is like that. We're going past all the fruit and yogurt. We're going past the eggs and the toast. We're going to the fried, deep fried part of the buffet, the persecution, the heavy stuff. Verse 18 of that passage that I just read out. Just remember, when the unbelieving world hates you, they first hated me. So being chosen by Jesus is actually two-pronged. Yes, it is a great privilege following him, being a Christian, but it's also the beginning of a great persecution. So all is not brightness and light in following the light of the world. If you're going to become more like Christ, you're going to have to go through things Christ went through. Did Christ experience loneliness? Tick. Did he face rejection? Tick. Was he discouraged? Tick. Was he fatigued? Yes. Was he worn out? Was he tempted? Did he get over people? Was he stressed? Was he maligned and criticized and lied about? Tick, 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 tick. Anyone want to add to the list? Because there's a chance you may have to go through it. So, how do you deal with it? That's what I want to look at. That's what I want to look at. How do we deal with persecution? How do we deal with this opposition? Because there's things you need to remember and there's also things you need to do. Things that you need to lock into your head and then also things you need to do with your hands, actions that you need to take. So, we can't just do a good old taste swift, can we? 
and just go, shake it off, baby. Shake that hate off. We can't quite do that. Yeah, she was partially right. (laughs) But it's not just about shaking it off because our Savior calls us to love our enemies. How do you do that when faced with persecution? So my first point, number one, recognize the source of the opposition and the source of your ownership. Recognize the source of your opposition and the source of your ownership. Verse 19 says, If you were to give your allegiance to the world, they would love and welcome you as one of their own. Isn't it interesting that the world wants us deeply to align, to align with their views, to align with their values. And then it says they will hate you. Well, that's opposition. I have chosen you and taken you out of the world to be mine. That's ownership. So in that verse, we see opposition and we see ownership. So anytime you are not aligned with the world, you're welcoming opposition. When you don't align with this world, what this world desires and what this world values, you are welcoming opposition. Just, you got to expect it. You present biblical truth, man, bring on the hate. The enemy will use ridicule. He will use things like you're old-fashioned, you're out of date, you're on the wrong side of history. You don't know what you're talking about. And they will belittle. People will belittle you. The enemy will use that. And he'll try to keep you quiet. And most likely, most likely, in Western culture, you will not face violent opposition, physical opposition for your faith. And what you'll face in the West is silent repression. People trying to repress you to get you to be quiet, get you to be silent, for you to shut up about your faith and not say a thing. What do you do? You'll be pressured to be quiet. They'll make a derogatory remark. Sorry. They're all those Christians. They're just all bigots. They know nothing. Why would you believe in that silly trash? That is harassment for your faith. And that is persecution. 1 Peter 2 verse 23 says this. When they hurled their insults at him, Jesus did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to God who judges justly. Sure, that's a pill to swallow, isn't it? You know, Jesus was lied about constantly. Constantly, things were made up and lied. Lies were just rumors spread about him. They said he was a revolutionary to overthrow Rome and take Pilate's position. Wrong. They said he had a demon. Wrong. At one point they said he was a drunkard. Wrong. <laughs> Did turn water into wine. <laughs> but they said that he was the devil incarnate. Wrong. And how did Jesus respond to all those lies that were told about him? In that passage that I just read out, what did he do? He entrusted the persecution to his father because he belonged to his father. So that's my first point. Recognize your ownership. Entrusting the persecution to your father because you belong to him. That is the very first step we have to take. Let's keep moving. Verse 20 to 21. So remember what I taught you. 
that a servant isn't superior to his master. And since they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. And if they obey my teachings, they will also obey yours. They will treat you this way because you are mine and they don't know the one who sent me. This leads to my second point. A part of discipleship is facing persecution. Scary thing about persecution is that God actually uses it to equip you. He actually uses opposition and challenges in your world to actually help you become stronger in your faith. And he uses persecution like that too. If you were never persecuted for your faith, your faith would never truly be tested. Your faith needs to be tested. If it's not tested, it will not go deep. And he wants us to have deep faith, doesn't he? Amen? He wants us to have deep faith. You know, even Lizzie and I would moved house about a month and, month and a half ago. We'd moved into our house for five minutes. And one of the neighbors walks up at the front of our house. And we stop to have a chat to her. Lovely lady. But she goes, starts giving us the rundown, the history of the street. And she goes, oh, yeah, the people in that house, they used to be churchies. They were really pushy. <laughs> and I start laughing. And I said, just to let you know, we're churchies as well. <laughs> we're not too pushy, but we are churchies. And I said to her, I won't say your name, but I said, you know, we can't get to, we cannot wait to get to know you more. Thank you so much for being so friendly. You are the first person we have met on this street. And I love that you were the first person. And she walked away feeling a million bucks. And so... What does a master do in that scripture that I just read out? What does a master do? A master helps train his servants. A master helps deliver, don't they? So discipleship really is our training ground to learn to become like our master, okay? That's what discipleship is. We follow him to become more like him. So... Um, the discipleship journey, though, it will take you guys through the valley of the shadow, the valley of the shadow of death, as David writes about in Psalm 23. And when he writes about that, that valley of shadow, it's not a place to unload hate, but it's a place to upload love. When you go through the valley, when you face the rejection, when you face the opposition, it is a place to learn how to love on a deeper level. Man, I had a conversation with an old school friend a while ago and he said to me, Zeri, I hate you and I hate your God. And I said, oh, that's funny because I love you and my God loves you. <laughs> and I just had a good old chuckle about it uh, and because I, I know he doesn't hate me. He was saying that to just get under my skin and to stir me up. And the strongest of believers in this world right now, are really the ones who are having their faith tested. And so when you do experience that hate, when you are persecuted, know that it is a strengthening for you. Let it build that resolve. Don't let anyone ever laugh, laugh you out of your faith. Ridicule and steal, steal your firm faith in Jesus. Never let that happen. Let it build more resolve in you. 
Let's keep moving. Verse 22 to 25. If I had not come and spoken these things to the unbelieving world, they would not feel the guilt of their sin. But now their sin is left uncovered. Uncovering truth. This is so true, isn't it? Uncovering truth to our world really exposes the condition of their heart. And what is their condition of their heart? Often towards Christian values. As that scripture says, hate. Wow, man. That's what the scripture says, doesn't it? If anyone hates me, they hate my father also. If I had not performed miracles in their presence like no one else has done, they would not feel the guilt of their sins. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. And all of this has happened to fulfill what is written in their scriptures. They hated me for no reason. We really see the world's heart exposed here. That's what Jesus is doing. He's helping disciples. He's helping us understand the heart of many people in this world. That unfortunately is hatred towards Christianity. Not always. And often Jesus, well, Jesus then says it's often for no reason. Have you ever felt hated for no reason? You've done nothing wrong to deserve something. Maybe it's actually a Christian, another Christian that has hated you and you've done something and you didn't deserve to be hated. You know, our world loves to find fault with Christians. They love finding fault with us. The amount of social media posts I've seen trashing Christians because they've made one small mistake. The amount of Newsletter reports that I'm sure many of you, sorry, newspaper reports that I'm sure a lot of you have also seen and read um, about different churches that have put a foot wrong. Yeah. So many. But if they can't find a fault, guess what they'll do? They'll start making stuff up. They'll actually start making up lies. And they'll hate you because of what is in you, the good that is in you. Because what happens is the good that is in you exposes, it actually exposes them. It uncovers some of the things in their world. It sheds light and they do not agree with that light. And so that's why they'll hate you. Sorry for being so deep tonight. (laughs) I'm sorry, you guys. But it's important that we unpack this hate, this persecution. So... Look at John the Baptist, okay? Here John the Baptist was exposing Herod's sin and how he was sleeping with his brother's wife. And so Herod got so annoyed and so ticked off, he throws John the Baptist into prison and then later on has him beheaded. Man, heavy stuff. So what do you do when an exposed heart like that is Absolute hatred towards you. As Christ does, you respond with goodness. You respond with goodness to an exposed heart. Peter 2 verse 23. They called him every name. This is the message version, but I love it. They called him every name in the book and he said nothing back. He suffered in silence, content to let God set things right. I've been called a BC. You know what that is? Not before Christ. (laughs) A bad Christian. 
I've been called a bad Christian, you guys. When I got called a bad Christian, I really felt like, I'll show you a bad Christian. I really felt like showing them what a bad Christian would do. But you are most like Jesus when you don't strike back at somebody who has hurt you. And really, that is the beginning of forgiveness towards them, even though they do not know what they're doing. The forgiveness that Christ had on the cross as he was hanging there being persecuted. Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. So what you're doing, it's a similar forgiveness journey that you have just started yourself on towards them. Man, I'm getting towards the end, you guys. I'm getting towards the end. Um, Romans 12, 17, verse 18. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with anyone. With, sorry, live at peace with everyone. You know, any time I react, and man, as a teacher, I fall into this trap a lot, but any time I react, I actually end up giving control to that person. You can't control what other people do but you can control your reactions. So anytime you react, retaliate, you actually hand control to them. You actually hand part of your control over to them. This is what George Washington Carver said. I love this. He was studied the use of peanuts, of all things. This is what he said. I will never allow another man to control my life by making me hate him. Whoa. Wow. Gee, that's powerful. That's good. And then just to finish, the last passage of that scripture, verse 26. How good is this? And I will send you the divine encourager. The divine encourager. Not just an encourager. Not just to someone to say, hey, you cool? You doing all right? The divine encourager, the Holy Spirit. From the very presence of my Father, He will come to you, the Spirit of truth emanating from the Father, and He will speak to you about me. And so that my last point is that encouragement to be a blessing. Encouragement to be a blessing. Everyone say it. Encouragement to be a blessing. Because what do you need most when you're being persecuted? Courage. Courage. And so Jesus says to his disciples, I will send you the divine encourager. Guess what? That encouragement that he sends is also for you to then be a blessing. You respond with blessing. You bless those who persecute you. Lizzie's parents, so my wife's parents, they're pastors in Malaysia and they have faced throughout their 30 years, 35 years of ministry, numerous persecution because you don't know much about Malaysia. It's an Islamic nation and they are not allowed to spread the gospel with the Malay people. And so a number of people that have actually come to faith, they've had to flee and leave that nation. But some of their stories are incredible about some of the persecution they've faced. And one story I just want to quickly share with you now One time, someone lit their church on fire and they'd poured petrol 
all over the carpet near the entryway and then thrown a match in to their church building. So Joe got a call from the police telling him that that the church, part of their church, had been absolutely ruined. The flooring absolutely destroyed. And as they started to do some investigations, Joe found out who it was. And he found out the group of people that that had set fire to their church. Guess who it was? His brother. His brother had organized a group of people to set fire to their church. And his brother is a pastor of another church in Malaysia. So how would Joe respond? How did he go about dealing with this persecution? The police started asking for names. Joe, tell us, give us some names so we can investigate further, so we can follow these people up. We, they are criminals. We want to put them in prison. And so faced with this, Joe decided to not give them any names. He didn't turn his brother in. Decided not to. He didn't retaliate, but continued to honour and respect his older brother. And just recently, he got asked to go and preach in his brother's church. And that would not have happened if Joe had retaliated, if he had of avenged, if he had of held in his heart hatred back towards his brother. And so you will face persecution, and it could be from other Christians. You will face persecution. Matter of time, you have a faith. So what I want to do now is just ask you this one question. One question. And it's a bit of a heavy question. But then I'm going to pray. In Australia, if they threw everyone who was a Christian in prison, would there be enough evidence to convict you, to put you in jail? If it was illegal to be a Christian in this nation, is there any difference in your world for them to go that's evidence let's get them (laughs) right close your eyes father you sent your only son to face the greatest persecution anyone's ever faced torture death on a cross carry the sins of mankind persecution Jesus you face we will never understand but we just say thank you and it is so hard for us knowing that we're going to have to face persecution as well knowing that we're going to have to go through opposition but right now God I pray for a stronger backbone I pray for a strength, for a courage to come upon these people here tonight, to come upon them, Father, to give them strength to be able to stand.
to give them words as they're facing opposition, to give them courage, Lord Jesus, to be light and salt. And sometimes, God, that may mean being silent. Sometimes that means being an encouragement. Sometimes that means saying a prayer. Sometimes that means listening and tuning into you, Holy Spirit, as the divine encourager. Sometimes that means loving their enemies. Sometimes that means facing ridicule. Sometimes that means not retaliating when they're being violently accused, when they're being accusations are coming against them. Holy Spirit, your courage, your strength. Lord Jesus, we breathe that out. We breathe it. We soak it into our bones. We ask for your help. We pray for our persecuted brothers and sisters around the globe right now. The ones that are saying every, Lord, saying every 10 minutes, two Christians die <laughs> around the world for their faith. So Holy Spirit, give them that strength. Give them that courage. Stand with them as the divine encourager, as you talked about in that scripture. Divine encouragement. Lord Jesus, one day, God, we will see greater purpose around this persecution as we enter heaven and eternity in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you have enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit mccroylifechurch.com.au.